Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 1, Episode 3. You sit at the table, looking around the dim room, and take everything in. The candles are lit, the lights are dimmed, fantasy art adorns the walls, incense burn with a fragrant smell. We are prepared. Come learn about D&D game immersion, snacks, and see how many times Sean can say, 100%. Alright guys, uh, welcome. This is uh, episode 3. Uh, pretty Woo. exciting. How you doing, Jim? Good, you? I'm doing just fine. Awesome. Uh, before we get started here, I just wanted to... Let all the adventurers out there know that uh, we got a local gnome tinker to drop by the wizard tower that we record in, and he installed a crystal ball. So if any of you want to get a hold of us with comments or suggestions, just email us at crystalball at 13sideddie.com. Uh, yeah. That was pretty cool, huh? It was, it was nice of him to do that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how that works, the crystal ball, you know, crystal ball email kind of. How much how much do we pay monthly for that? Like I can't remember what Crystal Ball setup fees are. I didn't realize the subscription thing. Yeah, right? Like it's like 13 silver a month or something silly. Oh no. I thought it was just a one-time thing. <laughs> it, dude, they always want to get something out of you. Always. <laughs> always. Freaking gnome tinker, I tell you. <laughs> so guys, we're pretty excited. Uh today we're picking up on a topic that uh Jim had put forth uh, a little while ago. And uh we are going to talk about um, game immersion, uh, some DM tips, and we might touch on even some snacks, which is pretty exciting. Um, what, what do you have, Jim? What, what's your uh, kind of uh, your your big thought here? Well, build a fungin. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're not quite there yet, um, man, there's so many things you can do for DM tools to bring immersion to the table. Uh, as a player, you can uh, and a DM, you can dress up. Wear costume. I just I'll have I have elf ears, uh, orc teeth, hats, capes, like you name it, right? Even even if you just have elf ears on, it reminds the players in the DM at the table, like, oh yeah, that guy is an elf in the game. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. For any of you out there who um, don't know about the fungin, I would, would highly recommend checking out Jim's uh, channel on Instagram, Epic Jim, and you could have some. Uh, dig through his uh, profile and have a look at some of the photos. His uh, The fungin is epic. It is really, really a cool room. And, and you know, it's great. I have a little D&D room down here too. It's the uh, Ardnor D&D Club. And, um, you know, it's great to have a room specifically for that, but you don't have to. You can literally have the kitchen table and that's where you guys meet and, uh, you know, hang out. Um, it is fun to, though to, to do a few things, like maybe even dim the lights a little bit, have some ambient lighting around you. Um, just things to get people into the game. I find for myself, and uh, I've done this for a lot of years, and uh, there's a movie called Mazes and Monsters. I think we chatted a little bit about this in one of our episodes. Uh, it's one of Tom Hanks' earliest films. It's a really horrible, great movie, and uh, it kind of ties into the satanic panic of the 80s about how bad D&D was. Um, so it's kind of that silliness. But there are some really great moments in it, and one of them is showing the uh, game master in their um, their game 
setting up the beginning of that game, right? And so I've actually literally taken it right out of the movie and I've been saying this for years and years. So when we're ready to play, generally you sit at the table and your players are like talking back and forth to each other and how are you doing? I haven't seen you, what's life, da, 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 that stuff. But when it's getting ready to play, I like to kind of like pull it all in. So I have this thing called the oath that I speak at the beginning of our game and I'll recite it here for you guys. And so when everyone's kind of ready, it gets quiet and then I'll say, I am the dungeon master, the absolute authority of this world we have created. Only I know the perilous paths you're about to take. Ardnor is filled with intrigue, adventure, and treasure, but also matched by evil, puzzles, and monsters. Shall ye enter? And after I say, shall ye enter, the whole group is, yay! And this big cheer goes out. And you can just see it with everybody at the table gets really into it, and they're really excited. And uh, the next thing I do is I say, okay, introduce yourself. And it sounds kind of silly because it's the same group of people, but every time everyone introduces themselves, they kind of have their pat answer, but sometimes, and most times, they'll change it a little bit and talk a little bit about their character, what's going on in their world, based on our previous um, game. And so it's really fun to hear, as a DM, what where their characters are at, but it's also really fun to see how everyone's interacting, what's going on, and where they're at. Uh, and you can see everyone's getting more and more into character for the game. And my final thing I do at the beginning then is once that's all happened, I read the synopsis of last game, which ties everybody to the previous game. So then when you actually get ready to start, this all is taking like maybe five to 10 minutes. Everyone is now in character, ready to go, caught up, excited, and kind of, you know, pulled down into it. So for me, I find that's a different kind of immersion. It's more like the mental immersion about getting everybody into the game. And uh, sorry, Jim, I know I've been blathering on a little bit here, but uh, I, for me, I find this is so critical. It just really captures what's going on. No, oh, that's awesome. Uh, I was going to say with the introduction of the characters every time, I love that. Um, for me, it'd be a different reason because I've had lots of problem players that they only play for them. We've all had them. They don't they don't even know what game they're in. They just know that they're the main character of this one. And it's good for them to hear every session. And then uh, it might have been a couple months since you guys have played. So yeah. it also gets foggy. Yeah, I find every, every once in a while a character might not be able to make it to a game. So obviously reading back that synopsis really helps tie them to what they might have missed and bring stuff in. So that's really good. Um, yeah, there's so much you can do. Uh, you know, like in, in my room down here, I've got like three lava lamps that go at any given time. The room is full of skulls all over the place. And I have a bow on the wall and a spear and a staff and some swords. And there's a couple of arrows behind me stuck in the wall. Um, you know, it's just silly stuff that you can do to, to bring people into the game. Um, you know, you look at Jim's, like it always giggle. It makes me giggle every time we do this. There's a big beholder up above his head and you heard me talk about that before, but it, it can be that visual or it can just be, you know, a little bit more low key and having some candles around the table when you guys are playing, like all those things are so huge. What you want to do is it's, it's a chance for everyone to escape, right? Yeah. Candles are uh, really big now, too, because there's so many D&D companies that make D&D scented candles. Yeah. Be like Tavern Smell or Dusty Cavern or Dungeon cool. or whatever, right? And then so cool. And there's always, uh, well, a lot of them have D20s, metal D20s mm. at the bottoms of them. So, I mean, that's really right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, and then, it's like a quest, a quest to get the dice. Yeah. And then I find when I burn candles when I play and they have a certain scent, it reminds me as a DM to describe the scent to help with immersion too. You show up to a coastside city instead of just talking about what it looks like, say what it smells like. You yeah, smell the fish market. You can smell all the, the salt water. I think it's critical as a DM, and we, we often overlook this, but when you 
tell start telling your players about where they are you need to think about all those senses what does it look like what does it smell like what does it feel like is it you know arid is it humid is it dusty is it windy like all that stuff um give them that picture that you have in your head of what it is and just remember that they don't know and the more of that picture you can paint the more they're going to be into it and, and grab onto things yeah i find uh, a lot of dms too they'll have big tvs in their game room and just have pictures of whatever on there, right? Yeah, I um, in front of my screen, I've got a little um, drawbridge that's down. And uh, I was just sharing this with some people today. I have a little iPad that I put on the front of there. And the iPad I have hooked up through uh, Zoom. And we used Zoom before the pandemic existed. I think we we're the only, only group in the world that used Zoom before the pandemic. And uh, on one of my monitors here is what is onto that iPad so the people sitting around the table can see anything I put up there. So I've said, if you, you're meeting with such and such, you know, I'll put that picture of them up and I'll have that ready to go. You know, if you're being attacked by, you know, a horde of goblins, I'll have a picture of goblins that'll come up and show them. And again, it's just to help visualize a little bit of what things look like. Um, but it's great for environmental things. Like if you're talking about what the, you're going up a mountain, so show a picture of what the mountain is, or if it's a lake, you can give an idea what the lake is. And, and it's not to be exacting, but to, again, give flavor and to get people into it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, the fantasy art's huge, like, as you can see in the funds, and it's, it's fantasy art all over the place in here. But I find even just before the game, it gets people in the mood, right? They sit down, they're seeing wizards and dragons on the wall and unicorns and Vikings and whatever else, right? And just kind of gets them in the role-playing mood completely you had mentioned earlier jim too about um you know dressing up and stuff the other one for me is um and i would love to sit and do a whole thing about uh voices um and i think it's people get a little worried about that when we talk about voices and, and i completely get it because there is some concern about how do i have voices for everybody if you watch something like we've talked before, a critical role where, you know, these are voice actors, that's what they do. Matthew Mercer is unbelievable. Not that he even has all these voices, but that he remembers who they're all for and he has them all cataloged in his brain. It's amazing. But I've tried to emulate some of that. And so all the dwarves in my campaign speak with a Scottish accent, which is of kind of fun. So that's kind yeah. of fun. I mean, and that's pretty, a lot of people do that. But for some people, it's like, oh, how do you do that? And so for me, and anytime I have any character and if they have a way they speak, I have a sentence I usually have it written down. That's what I read in my head to get me into that character. So for like if it's Scottish, I always have, a, you know, oh, it's a wee baron. It's a, it's a wee baron out there in the heather. Heather, heather. Heather is a great word. It's heather. And I always think like who, and he's like, who speaks like that? And uh, I don't know if you guys know the comedian Billy Connolly. He's got this amazing Scottish accent. And so I think of, for me, I think of Billy Connolly. So if it's the water and he's talking, you know, he's out there in the heather. What are you doing? Hey, lad, what are you doing there? Get away from that. And you just kind of pull that in if you can. Um, you know, and uh, I had a, a Southern gentleman and he was one of my pirate captains. And when he talked, you know, he had this slow drawl and uh, it was really fun to do that, you know, Southern uh, uh, accent kind of like down like Georgia, you know, or Savannah down that area of the States, which I've never been to. And I know it's hard. It's not always nice to steal voices from places and it can be a bit of cultural appropriation, but in the game, I think it's just kind of fun and it adds some stuff to it. So for some of these, I would have, you know, these little, again, just write a little sentence down about how that person would sound like. And um, I'm just trying to think if I can do my Southern accent guy. Um, but I, had, I also write down like little uh, idioms or colloquialisms of things that they would say. So he'd be like, you know, like, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm more, more, more concerned than a long tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. 
and had all these little <laughs> things you would say, right? And you just you have these little sayings, you can throw them out at any time, which is a great way of getting into it. Um, but if that's not your cup of tea and it's totally, totally valid, some people don't like to do accents and, and, and you do feel a little bit put on the spot doing it and it can be hard. Something that you can do that everyone can do is just changing the pitch of their voice. So if it's, you know, like a, a, a kind of an old goblin, you can talk with, with a really high voice when it talks and it just kind of sounds silly. So now you just start pretending you're a Muppet um, or a deep voice <laughs> if it's a big, deep voice, you know. But even the speed, you can talk really quickly. If the person talks really fast, this is kind of a strange person. Why is he talking so quickly? Or they talk really slowly when they speak. These silly little things that we can all do and you just write down next to each character, you know, speaks slowly, speaks quickly, you know, stumbles on words or whatever. And all of a sudden you can have a diverse group of NPCs for your players and you don't have to know accents. You just have to change the way you speak in the sense of tone, pitch, speed, that kind of stuff. Does this kind of make some sense? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty rubbish when it comes to accents. So I'll just try to steal mannerisms. Mm. And I do that too. I'll, um, I use usually people from real life. Yep. So there's a guy that was a lot older than us. He used to hang out at high school parties, did way too many drugs. And he would always tell us these far out stories. And when he did it, he would, he'd always start off every story with, believe it or not, man. And he would take his hands and he would tuck his hair behind his ears while he was saying it. So then people would come, you know, and then I'd be doing the NPC and believe it or not, man, but this bar used to be a dungeon. You know, and then even just that, and then they see every time I'm tucking my hair behind my ears, like I'm that guy and it kind of puts you more in the mode to do the voice. That, that's fantastic. A hundred percent on that, Jim. I, I think it's really, if you can tie it to somebody that you know, be it famous or someone that's just an old friend or something, you know that person really well. So you can actually kind of do that. Um, that's a great way of doing it. And I would just say, write down these little notes in your DMs notes when they're meeting a character a lot of times I'll put in brackets, you know, obviously um, gender and then alignment. Um, if they know somebody or if they get along with somebody, if there's a somebody don't, just little notes like that I'll put next to that NPC. And then I'll put down, you know, obviously a listing of what they look like so you can describe it. But then also what is their voice? How, how does their voice sound like? Does it sound like such and such from a film? Or does it sound like, you know, like you said, a friend that you know? Or does it just talk with a loud squeaky voice? Just something that you can cue on really quickly and... Uh, that kind of immersion makes a massive difference. And uh, it's a game of trust. You know, D&D is the biggest game of trust out there where you've got a room full of friends. And the more that you, especially as a DM, if you're leading it, the more you can put out there, the more you'll find you'll get back, right? Like the more players will also experiment and they'll do voices and they'll have fun and they'll get into their character. And that's, again, that deeper immersion. Yeah. Yeah. Just what we're talking about, man. I know when, when I'm a player, I get so fired up at the table. Hello there. Stay a while and listen. You're like, oh my God, Kane's here. This is awesome. Like <laughs> he's here to save us. And you, we got the quest for him. And <laughs> Yeah, it's huge, you know, and uh, you know, my game, we're, we rely heavily on role playing in our game. And there are times when we've had games where like, there's been zero combat. No one's rolled a dice. It's literally been three hours of characters talking amongst themselves. And as the DM, I'll be sitting there almost like watching TV, watching all my players, sorting stuff out, doing stuff. Every once in a while, I maybe chime in with a little thing here, a little thing there, but letting them do a lot. And they're just, they're in character, exploring, figuring stuff out. It's so cool to watch. And it's like such an immersion. It's amazing. 
Yeah, on that note too, I like using the character or the player's character names. I call them that all night at the table. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's once you're in the game, you're in the game. Yeah, even if they're, you know, getting, hey, Sir Jonathan the Third, can you grab me a beer while you're up? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really important. It just keeps everyone tied to it and, and within it. Um, you know, and, and it's hard because every table is different. You guys have heard that us say that all the time. Um, I think we need shirts that have, say, 13-sided die. Every table is different. Um, and uh, I, I feel that I've been super blessed. The people around me, the players in my game right now are phenomenal. Um, you know, it's a family members, my son, my nephew, uh, some friends that we've had for over 20 years. So there's just this great level of, uh, of trust and so you're willing to go there to put yourself out on the limb and be silly and goofy. And, um, and, and people just really latch onto it and enjoy it. And I think the more that you can stay within that realm, that world, the, the more fun it is for everybody. Yeah. I totally agree. Any um, other level, any other immersion type things, Jim? Yeah, I got a really good one. Actually. I wanted to bring up, uh, I got this from the Malcolm gentleman game master on Instagram. Uh, okay. he's a, he's a damn for hire. He's incredible. I've uh, been lucky enough to play in a few of his one shots. And the big thing he would do is before every scene, he would ask the players to describe what their characters are doing and what it looks like. So it really paints a clear picture in everyone's head. I love that. And yeah, I just found that that was really cool. I think that um, it, it's really important as a DM, like I'd mentioned earlier, sometimes I sit back and I let my players go. It's really important. Our, our job as a DM is just to keep things moving along, but it, it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Like, and if I, sometimes I find if the players are starting to bite on something that I didn't even really think of anything was a big deal, do not step on that. Let them have that time. Let them do whatever they want to do. They might spend half an hour discussing or debating over something. Just let them do it because they're having fun. And if it doesn't even get to the root of the story of that game, it doesn't matter because we're just here to have fun. Uh, and I think the big thing to remember is that it's not about the story the DM wants to tell or wants to, you know, kind of explore. It's about what the players want to explore and let them do that and give them agency to do that. And uh, I find a lot of times too, you know, somebody like you said, Jim, will say like, I'm going to go and, you know, I, I'm going to climb up the wall. So instead of just being, okay, roll for that, it's like, how are you climbing up that wall? Describe it to me, which is kind of like what you're saying. And yeah. it's interesting what they come up with. And a lot of times they come up with a really good idea for it. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, roll with advantage on that because you have a well thought out, interesting plan. I want to see this happen. And so, uh, yeah, it's just letting people get right into it. Yeah. I find too, a lot of people, their characters will have gimmicks and a lot of DMs won't let them really, uh, experience those as much, you know? Yep. So, uh, yeah, I find that that really helps with that too. Then if someone say the archer is obsessed with a knife that his father gave him or something. So now, Hey, what's your character doing? Oh, I'm whittling this piece of wood with the dagger that my father gave me. And it really ties that together. Yeah. A hundred percent. And give them that, right? Like let them, it doesn't matter. Just like give them some space to do some stuff with something. Um, a really good book I picked up a while back. I was just looking up. It's called the lazy DMs workbook. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Oh yeah. Great book. Up on the shelf. There you go. He's pointing to it right now, folks. Um, it's a great book as a DM to have on hand in case you get uh, feeling you're getting stuck or you need something. You can flip through it, pull something up really quickly, 
and it gives you also tons of little tips and tricks to try and keep things moving and doing stuff. Um, highly recommend it. It's pretty cheap paperback, um, totally worthwhile. But yeah, I hope this gives everyone a bit of an idea of some of the things you can do to help get that immersion um, for characters. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk about, um, uh, in our Crafter's Corner segment, talking about some of the things you can build to help do that. So we didn't talk too much about that here because I think we're going to cover more of that in the next segment. Um, but uh, maybe uh, we'll take a quick little break here and come back and uh, talk a little bit about um, some snacks and things. The most important thing in D&D. Woot woot. Fantasy Factoid. All right, guys, this is a really fun one. In the current uh, season of Stranger Things that was released a couple of months back, uh, there's a scene, and I'm trying not to give any spoilers, but uh, Sheriff Hopper winds up fighting a demigorgon. No surprise there, it happens a lot. But what's interesting is he's in kind of a pit-type area, uh, like a gladiator pit, and he picks up a sword and uh, goes chopping away on the demigorgon. What's really interesting, if you pay attention, is that sword looks like the sword from the Conan films that Arnold Schwarzenegger used. Well, it is actually the sword. They used the real one from the films in the 80s. That is your fantasy factoid for today. Oh, and we're back. So, uh, in that little break, there was something that did come to mind that we hadn't talked about. And this is something relatively new that I've been doing in my campaign. Um, well, yes and no. Parts of it I've been doing for a long time. But this one, distinctly, I've been doing new. And I like to actually have uh, real bottles of potions available for my players for healing potions. And so if someone gets a potion, I actually hand them a bottle that I've got some, um, uh, if it's a healing potion, some red um, uh, resin in the bottom of it. It's all gone hard. And there's a couple of dice inside of it. And they, if they need to use it, they pull the cork, shake it, roll it out, or you can roll them inside the jar as well. But what I think is really important is it's that age old issue that if you give a player something, they put it on their character sheet and never ever use it again. And as a DM, you know they're in the world's worst situation and they have a scroll that can help them and you know that, but they don't ever pay attention to it. So I find actually giving them the object makes a big difference. So if you give them a scroll of something, I would write it out on a piece of paper, roll it up and give it to them because I find if it's there in front of them, they tend to use it far more than if they just write it into their equipment list and never really think about it again. So that kind of tangible tactile stuff, I think is really important. Um, I have this really interesting thing. I won't get into it. I call it the cartographer's crease. And it's a map that I gave to my players. And if you fold it on the creases the right way, it actually shows you a total different picture. Kind of like, do you remember Mad Magazine where you used to fold the back of Mad Magazine together? And yeah. It weird? yeah. <laughs> it's kind of that idea. And it's something I came up with. And it's a huge thing that you can do um, to give to your players and make them tactile and work with something, which I think is always a really good immersion thing as well. Oh, man, that's awesome. Um, I know that there's, yeah, I was just going to say with yours, uh, there's like Kickstarters out now. I'm sure they're done or whatever, but I have a buddy that does it. Um, he 3d prints items for the table, right? That's cool. You can get daggers, necklaces, bracelets, bracers, whatever you name it. And then paint them up all gold and magic looking or whatever. So when you give them a magic item, you're actually giving them the magic item. And your players lose their mind. I know at the very beginning of the campaign we're in, I had the players, they in, met with somebody and that they they found that there was a ghost of a person and brought them to where that person had been killed years ago. And there was a skeleton, remains of a skeleton. There was this dagger stuck in the skeleton. They pulled the dagger out. And as soon as they pulled the dagger out, it all deteriorated and turned to dust except for the pommel. And the pommel had this gold pommel with an insignia on it. And so then I reached over the screen and handed them 
a version that I made. And so they have this pommel literally on the table with them all the time, which is really fun because they're like, oh, they're losing their minds and you give it to them. It's really a neat thing. If you can do that, if you can, again, take that next step of immersion and say, hey, here's the actual item. It's, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we forgot the almost the biggest one, Sean, music. Ooh. I know that we both use it at our tables all the time. A ton of people do. Good That's for you, huge. buddy. That's true. <laughs> it is true. What kind of music do you like to play? I usually just Spotify lists. I just find, you know, adventure ones or whatever. Yep. I know uh, for those of you out there that are still doing stuff remotely, uh, if you're using, we tend to use Discord as our area to communicate in. Um, you can connect uh, bots to Discord and have it playing music on a queued list. So you're not actually playing music in the room that can screw up the mics. It's actually one of the people in the room with you. And um, yeah, I like to play uh, Conan, this Conan soundtrack. Classic. Uh, really fun. Classic. Uh, and then if things get amped up, a lot of times we'll play some really cool synth stuff as well. Like just kind of, you know, pumping synth music to get people into it, but cool old soundtracks are always good. Um, there is something that we do in ours and, uh, way, way back at the beginning of the, um, our previous campaign, I found a piece of music somewhere. I wanted, I wanted something celebratory and, um, I can't remember the name of the damn thing because I use it all the time, but I don't even think about it because it's just there, but it's, um, this really epic sweeping music that plays and anytime the players do anything big or if there's been a battle or something if i don't play that music i start getting like dagger eyes from the group because they're so where's our music where's our music and it's just become part of our game now and uh it's neat how people can get totally get into it that way oh totally i was gonna say too you have to be careful sometimes too not to use too famous a music um, you don't want to be playing Lord of the Rings in your fantasy game because it takes them out of right. what they're doing at your game. And now they're thinking more Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, and again, you know me always talking about Critical Role. I know they just released a digital album of a whole bunch of music that they're currently using in their campaign. And that's available to listen to. And it's all just really nice instrumental, which is really cool. So there's so much out there. And you're right, Jim. I'm, I'm surprised we, I missed that one. And I'm glad you caught it. That's a massive thing. Uh, the music is huge. Uh, do we have any more points we want to chat about immersion or did that get us all? I think we should move on to snacks. Yeah, move on to snacks. Okay, so you're going to outdo me on this. Why don't you Why don't you just kick it off? Uh, well, every year in the Fungin, we have a 24-hour charity game that we do where we play Dungeons & Dragons for... It's not quite 24 hours. We're here for 24 hours, but we stop a couple times for you know a supper break and a lunch break and stuff. But the amount of food that is in here is unreal and just not good food. <laughs> like the worst stuff you can think of very high calorie stuff, but we try not to do that all the time. Let's try to do that once a year. Um, but some of our go-tos, our big one is Timbits for mm. uh, the non-Canadians out there. Those are donut holes. Those are huge at the table. Uh, How do you eat a donut hole? There's nothing to eat. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're good uh, for diets. Yeah. <laughs> Chicuterie boards. It's one of the best foods on earth, anyways. D and D or not. Uh pepperoni sticks always good. Uh, for candy. I love Twizzlers and wine gums. Those are my favorite. What about you? Well, I tell you, I, I used to be really bad. Like back in the day when we used to play and you know, we'd get in person. This is back in the eighties and nineties. And we would play those ten I think one time we played a fourteen hour session, just kept going and going. And it was tons of junk food, like, you know, the chips and pretzels and Pringles and always red licorice and sometimes black licorice and just tons of that kind of junk food. 
And when I was younger, I could handle it, but I've gotten older now. I'm an old man and my body just doesn't feel very happy when I eat a bunch of that. So I have tried to shake it up and I'll still have some of those things. Um, you know, I'll pick one treat, usually some licorice. Um, but I've tried to get things like I said, like maybe more into crackers and cheese and uh, sometimes fruit bars and those kind of things are good. Um, bananas, those kind of, you know, different things. So I'm not quite as crazy as it used to be with all the junky food. Invariably, partway in those games, there's a break and it's an order something in and typically it's pizza. Yeah. And uh, some of my lovely players that I've played with since high school for, you know, 35 odd years, um, they are the big meat eaters. So when we get pizza, they always look at me and kind of look down at me because they always get the ones that meet, meet and more meat and the meat meets the meat and has meat babies and lots of meat. <laughs> and I'm kind of more like, uh, like, you know, Hawaiian ham and pineapple. And they're like, what? And they just don't get it. I can eat just a cheese pizza. Plain cheese is a good pizza. And they just think that's the craziest thing in the world. So I love you guys if you're listening. And uh, pizza is always a nice thing to get. But a lot of times the drinks too. And something I found that I do when we're in person is I've also got a little, a little, a large, one of those big water jug things with a little spigot on it. So people can always get water, which is nice. And everyone yeah. brings their their favorite, uh, you know, drink to have. Um I tend to have, as a DM, you do a lot of talking, so I tend to have lots of water around and then some iced teas and things like that. Yeah, I'm uh, with you, same there. I, I try to drink mostly water, but sometimes it's beers. and it, uh, it, It's got to happen sometimes. It just has to happen. Yeah. And then actually recently I've been doing like the, like Schweppes sparkling grapefruit, grapefruit soda. Ooh, nice. That's, that's pretty good. And Zevia, you know, just trying to keep it low calorie. Don't need to be hammering, you know, six pops during our 12-hour D&D game. It's so easy to do that, though. Like, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know what happens. I think it's maybe just the excitement, the energy, all the talking. You tend to eat and drink way more than you would normally. It's a very bizarre thing. And for those of you that haven't played before, um, I think maybe we'll do an episode where we talk more about kind of the grassroots of what a D&D is and how to get into it and all that kind of stuff because there might be people listening that have never um, uh, played before even. So I think that would be kind of fun to do. But to me as well, the, the thing about it is that it's a magical thing. The game is so magical. Time literally stands still. You can play for four or five hours and I feel like no time's gone by. It is such an amazing thing. And for those of you out there that have played or are playing, you, you get what we're talking about. For those of you that haven't, you're probably thinking, what is wrong with these crazy weirdos? Um, <laughs> and I'll, and I'll, I'll own that. We're crazy weirdos, but it's a, it's, it's a blast. It's so, so fun. So those snacks and treats and drinks are great to have along the way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let us know. Email us at crystalball at 13sideddie.com. Uh, what's your favorite snacks or is there something that we eat that you don't agree with? I know Sean said Hawaiian pizza. I love pineapple on pizza. That's a big thing. Let's know. It's a whole controversy right there. I think we just started. Yeah. That's great. We might have lost followers again, but <laughs> that's oh, the risks well. we take. Yes, we have to put this stuff out there. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up this topic. Hang around, and we're going to chat a little bit about uh, crafting. Woo! Maker's Corner. All right, so... Uh, Today's uh, little segment here is going to be on our Crafter's Corner making some uh, terrain stuff, some tips on that. What do you think? I think that every good DM needs some terrain to throw on the table to excite their players. I think you are correct. Very correct. Um, 
I, I think it's very important to mention to people, and anyone that follows uh, either of us knows some of the crazy things that we get up to, and it's uh, some pretty in-depth crazy stuff. Um, it's not essential. You don't have to be, you know, you don't even have to use, we, our, our kind of weapon of choice is XPS foam. It's insulation foam, usually found in like uh, flooring, that kind of stuff. Highly compressed foam. There is a, a mild disagreement between the two of us, whether it should be pink or blue. Should be blue. Should be pink. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the main thing to me is that, uh, I, I just hope people realize you don't have to craft with that stuff. And, uh, you know, for me, we, we talked about this on another episode, the early days, we had that crappy old sand table that we used. Um, we upgraded to, from that. I remember one time having a like whiteboard on the table and we'd use whiteboard erasers and just draw on that and wipe that off. Um, sometimes we'd have mats that were either, um, square or hexagon, you know, maps that also could be written on with uh, the wipe-off markers. We um, we used uh, a combination of those with uh, Jenga blocks for a lot of years. So I'd have a big thing of Jenga blocks, and I took some and I cut them down to being like uh, little squares, little rectangles, and long full pieces. And we'd make rooms out of that, and, and that was great. So, um, you know, you don't have to have that top-level stuff out the gates. You know, I, And uh, I follow a guy on Instagram. I think his name's uh, The Cardboard DM. He makes amazing terrain just out of cardboard. It looks so good. Yeah, yeah. His stuff is stellar. Like his so, is beautiful. Like whatever your yep. uh, pick your poison. Like whatever yep. you can build good with leg. I've seen lots of people use Legos. Lego. That worked awesome. That's cool. I know when I got into when I made that step from the Jenga blocks that we use just lying around, I actually started making terrain stuff. I did it out of cardboard, and I, I think I showed those to you a couple of weeks ago. I've got a bunch of little cardboard houses that I made, so I, I cut them to shape, and they're just literally held together inside with duct tape. But then I painted them up Tudor-style looking, that kind of thing. Every once in a while, I still throw them down on my table if I need extra houses. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, I made a bunch of stuff out of wood, popsicle sticks, toothpicks, balsa wood, glue it together. That's kind of where things started for me. And then I found the the... XPS foam and it kind of just exploded from there but you can make it out of anything you know you really can and I don't want people to think that it's um I don't want people to be scared of it like just jump in wherever you can go to the dollar store and buy cheap sheets of the um like production boards like the um the foam core that you'd use when you're in school to put projects on that kind of stuff um that's great foam to use if you if you buy the white ones the paper side peels off at like nothing and you're left with these thin pieces of foam that you can work with um yeah it's just good to build whatever and just have fun with it but it it's i think it 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 really excites players when there's something on the table to engage with yeah i find too it helps with uh combat big time because yeah you can see exactly where everybody is at the table something i realized a long time ago um and this goes back to the jenga blocks when we would lay the Jenga blocks out and make a room, uh, like the DM would say, it's, you know, it's a large room, it's 100 feet by 50 feet rectangle, and you make this rectangle room and you lay it out, there was nothing inside of it. It was just the perimeter of this room, or if you draw it out. And the only rooms that I can think of that are empty is like a ballroom for dancing in. Every other room in the world has stuff in it, because that's why you have a room. It's a room to put stuff in. And um, I can remember playing with my guys... And I put down, um, it was another way I was doing stuff too, is almost like making little uh, battle uh, maps down on the thing. So I'd have a room looking straight down, you'd see it. And I was putting those down and they were kind of, I'd print them all out, tape them all together to get it right. And then I'd cut them apart into separate pieces and put them down for, you know, each room the guys are going into. 
And that was kind of fun because they could actually see where they're going. And um, I found though, as soon as I started making stuff, like little tiny chairs or a table or a bed, the players immediately engaged with it. I'm going to throw the bed over because there's probably something underneath it. I'm going to hit the guy with a chair. And they, they started interacting with the train, which they might not necessarily have done in their minds because they wouldn't have seen it. And if you didn't describe it well enough, and even if you did, no one's really going to interact with it. Um, the other thing is too, is that used to people just like beeline, run across a room. You can't do that. You always have to run around furniture over furniture underneath, like there's stuff in your way. And so when you lay that out on the table, it creates a much, much more of an engaging game where people are like having to, you know, you'll hear people say, okay, I jump up on the table and I dive at him where before it just would have been, I'd run across the room. So I think it's really important to have little pieces of terrain and stuff to be able to put down for people to engage with your players, just get way more excited. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say too, and people don't like, obviously like your leagues above me and like for my stuff for train, I just prime it all black, hit it with a heavy dry brush of gray, then light gray. Cause then the black kind of cover, it kind of makes shadows. If you missed any paint, it doesn't look that bad. hundred percent, hundred percent, Jim. And the, the biggest thing I could tell anybody that when they're working on stuff, if, if you're kind of, if you're working with um, cardboard and things, it's not as much uh, availability to you. But if you're working with anything that can be uh, manipulated, like foam or whatever, it's just like when you're painting a mini. If you, if you think about that mini that you're painting, there's, you know, the person's got a, a shirt on and there's a jacket, which is like layered over top of them. And then there's a belt around them. And then the belt has a pouch and the pouch has a buckle. Like all those things are raised, you know, like stratified pieces of that plastic or in Jim's case, metal um, on that mini. And when you paint it, it's really nice to be able to dry brush and pick up the highlights on those raised edges of things. So the same thing when you're working on terrain, if you have something you're making that's stone, like beat it up, crumple it up, rub tinfoil balls on it, do whatever you want to do to give it some texture. That way, when you paint it black and you do dry brushing, and for anyone out there who's not familiar with dry brushing, it's taking a lighter shade of, so let's say like Jim said, it's black, then he's doing a gray on top. You take that lighter gray and you just put it on your brush and you go back and forth, back and forth as much as you can onto a piece of paper or a piece of paper towel and get almost all the paint off. And then your brush is dry and you just wipe the brush back and forth gently across your terrain piece. It's going to pick up on all the highlights, that lighter color. It looks beautiful. It's like a piece of magic. Uh, you do it, you'll blow your mind the first time you do it. Um, but the more texture you can put into your object, the easier it is to paint and the cooler it looks. So I always say to everybody, texture, 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 as much as you can put in there. And, you know, Bob's your uncle. It's going to look fantastic. And I know, uh, Sean, you like using foam for the, so you can put more details into it. I like using foam because it's more forgiving. <laughs> uh, you can manipulate it a lot better. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's another big thing with terrain. Don't worry oh. about it being perfect. No, one of, one of the um, members of our group always says, if it's a little bit beat up, that's just battle damage. Yeah. <laughs> and they're right. It, it is. It doesn't matter. And sometimes a mistake can actually help tell the story about that piece. Why is that got, why is there a big hole in the side of that thing? Well, you know, a mage blew it apart and all of a sudden it's part of the story now. So yeah, it, it's, uh, it's really exciting. It's not hard to work with. Uh, anything can be terrain. And so you know, I would just say to everybody to give it a whirl and try and make some stuff. Um, think about practical things like some form of a room type situation. Um, myself, I prefer rooms without walls. So that when it's laying on the table, I will just put down like a piece of, in our case, a piece of foam that's say maybe five inches by 10 inches. And that's that room. 
and it'll just be that chunk of foam and it'll be all gridded off and that's what the players know. If there's walls, it can actually tend to block people at the table from seeing what's going on. So I kind of like myself open flat. Um, and then you can put things in there, some tables, you know, chairs, a bookcase, if there's something like whatever's in that room. Um, those are the things I would recommend people to try and make some of that stuff. And you don't have to be fancy. The thing to remember is to me, there's two sides. There's you're either making stuff for a game or you're making something for a diorama. And if it's something for a diorama, yeah, you want it to look kick-ass. You want it to look as close to real as you can, all in scale. Perfect. Cause it's going to sit on a shelf and people are going to look at it. But if you're making stuff for the game, it's really just to help visualize what's going on. So it doesn't have to look great. It doesn't even have to be totally perfect to scale. It's just got to be there for people to understand and interact with. Anytime I have players uh, talking smack about any of my builds, I'll tell them like, well, the car the carpenter had a goblin helper, right? <laughs> and yeah, the, of course, it's not straight. A goblin helped put these rafters up. Yeah. Have you seen that goblin's ruler? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's 100 percent. and i don't think uh again it's just to give an idea it's just to give some flavor um but as a dm you'll be shocked how much your characters will appreciate and how much they'll interact with it so really recommend definitely let us and know it, what you guys have been building if you build out train or if you start up yes and how can they let us know jim well there you go we have an email address look at that so if you want to send us something the easiest way is to send it to crystal ball at 13sideddie.com and crystal ball is one word 13 is the number 13 and the rest of it looks like the word eddie it's really weird um but that's okay almost like we're uh, we're, we're famous <laughs> thanks guys uh, if there is any questions or comments please send them our way next time on 13 sided die All right, guys. Uh, so we're going to chat a little bit about um, next episode. And uh, if you're interested in a future episode, something you'd like us to talk about, please send us an email. We've talked about that on here. Uh, Crystal Ball at 13 Sided Die. Send us a, uh, some ideas you might want us to talk about. But I think, uh, what do you think, Jim? Maybe uh, we mentioned earlier uh, about kind of how to get started in D&D. Would that be a good episode to do? Well, I just finished reading the new Dragonlance novel, Dragons of Deceit, but I don't think that you're quite there, so we might have to wait a couple episodes to discuss that. So, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of fun. I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, have played or are playing D&D, but they might even like to hear that again, kind of those early starts about how to get going. So, yeah, why not next episode be a little chat about the uh, the beginning stages, how to get a game together and those kind of things. That'd be fun and kind of the things that go with it. Sounds perfect. Excellent. Well, I think that wraps us up for this episode. Anything else to say? Uh, I just had to bring up Dragonlance one more time because <laughs> if I don't, I think there's a clause in my contract or something that says I have to talk oh. about Dragonlance every episode. I see. I see. That makes sense. That Now it all makes sense. I get it. Yeah, awesome. I didn't want hate mail either. So, <laughs> Well, this has been fun as always. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, great chat. We will see all of you soon. Woo. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You're a bold adventure to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-Sided Die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. 
Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Bobble and torture device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.